Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers from Blizzard Watch, and I've got both of my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he's the other lore-focused writer over on Blizzard Watch. That would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Hello, everybody. (laughs) That will serve as our answer. All right, then. Moving on. We've also got our other lore aficionado with us as well, and that would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Hey, how's it going? Are you getting pummeled with snow right now? Not as much as everybody seems to think Buffalo gets hammered with snow. Like, we got a good, like, foot, but, like, it's already done. Like, we're, there's no more coming down. I've already dug myself out. Everything's okay. We're, we keep we keep getting, like, upcoming snow in the weather thing, and then it turns into rain before it gets here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I just got awesome snow boots. They're waterproof. They're great. I love them. And the snow has stopped. And I'm like, what's going on here? Come on, guys. Just, I'm ready for you now. I'm See, I'm I'm, a, I'm ready for the snow because it's a constant state of being. But like, I, I was like snow blowing at two o'clock in the morning, so I didn't have to deal Oof. with too much when I got off this morning, which was fine. Oof. But yeah, but I did my good deed before uh, this the snow hit, and uh, so I frequent a game shop where we're doing like a, a slow grow league for people that haven't played tabletop games before. Gotcha. And there was a kid, and there's a kid, young younger kid, like well, I say younger kid, but like he's eighteen, he's in college. Nice guy, but doesn't have money to play any army, doesn't have money to buy any army. So I happened to surprise him at the shop right before the snow hit with a loner army that I'm leaving at the shop for him to play with. And it was like the happiest I've ever seen a human being be. And it was really, really great and cool. And then I got snowed in. I don't understand half of what you just said, except that it sounds really cool and it was a very nice thing for you to do. <laughs> I'm like, sounds like a loner army. A Warhammer style game. Oh, Warhammer. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay, yeah, when you say tabletop, I think D&D, and <laughs> that did, those two things did not fit together in my head. You, anyway. You, you can't end up with a lot of minis for D&D. But yes. You can, and D&D. dice, and dice. My sister has a pretty big dice bag. Anyway. The centerpiece, she... the centerpiece for my dining room table is a big glass cone that has nothing but spare dice in it for when people come over and don't have dice. Wow, okay. <laughs> Dang. So anyway... So this week, um, I decided to go back to the mailboxes because, honestly, after the last episode, we had email. <laughs> I figured, you know, we we did enough theorizing last time. Let's see what happens this time around. And Plus that, and we don't really have anything new, heavy lore related to talk about at the moment. Um, there is stuff going on on the 8.1.5 PTR that I have been playing through. I haven't seen all of it yet, but I've seen a chunk of it. Um, but not enough really to talk about substantially. And in-game, I think the battle for Jazara lore comes out this week, yes? 
Yeah, the 22nd, I believe. Yeah, okay. So maybe we'll yep. talk about that a little bit on the next episode. Um, as always, if you have any emails for the show, you can send those to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just be sure that you put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for this show and not the other one that we do. Um, let's go ahead and get started here. First email. This is from Leoden, who's a protection paladin on Veclinash. Veclinash? Yeah. Who says, hey guys, I have a theory about Sylvanas. Is it possible that after she killed herself at the top of Ice Crown, after finding out that Arthas was dead, that she was actually raised by the Lich King again? Now hear me out. We know that Ner'zhul is still in the helmet, and that most likely Arthas is too. Did they break Bolvar enough to cause him to just give in and they're at the controls? The Lich King's known for playing the long game, and it would explain why Sylvanas, after Wrath, has been raising people against their will. Like, she's actually working as an agent of the Lich King, but doesn't realize it because she believes she is saving her people. Love the show, Leoden. On the one hand, I find this an interesting proposition. On the other hand, it feels like trying to make Sylvanas into, oh no, she's not bad, she's just misguided. And I don't know if I if I believe that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um... I don't buy it for a lot of reasons. First up, if you were Death Knight and you did the Frost Artifact quest in Legion, Arthas almost certainly isn't in the helmet. Um, you confront him and drive him out of the, the Rune Blades. He was in the Rune Blades, not the helmet. Um, because when Arthas picked up Frostmourne, his soul was consumed. He was the first person it took the soul of when it was freed from the ice. As a result, he was in there. Uh, Frostborn is Azeroth's yeah. most elegant Dyson. Yeah. Um, so when when that happened, you know, you get that when you can, when you claim the Rune Blades and create the the the, the dual Rune Blades out of Frostborn's remains, uh, you essentially have to beat Arthas in a fight. Nerzul is there, and Nerzul obviously winks out when he looks like you're going to lose. So Nerzul might be in the helmet, but Arthas isn't, and. Uh, I don't think Nerzul is running the show on the Lich King. Uh, I definitely feel like that's Bolvar. The the way he does things feels very much it's tactical. Uh, it's very Nerzul, Bolvar. Yeah, Nerzul was a crap tactician. He 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 wasn't, and he never claimed to be a good one. He, he that's not wasn't what his field was. He was a shaman, an elder. He was very good at you know dealing with spiritual matters. He wasn't a commander. Ner'zhul um, was really good at delegating, and that's part of the reason why he went after Arthas in the first place, was he was kind of delegating. But, like, you know, everyone that he had working for him, Kel'Thuzad, all of the others that were responsible for the plague and everything else that was going on, it was all kind of delegating behind the scenes and being sneaky about it. And that's how Ner'zhul worked. Yeah, I definitely don't... I, I, I don't... I like Sylvanas as a character, not as a person. Like I think her, she's good in stories because she is not the kind of person who gets run. If you don't manage mm -hmm. Sylvanas, you don't that. I don't like that idea. It, it's not just because it would excuse her from her own evil actions. It's because it would make them not her evil actions. It would get rid of everything that makes her who she is. Cause she wouldn't be a product of who she is. She'd be a product of what happened to her. I don't like that. Yeah, I, I think to a certain degree she is the product of what happened to her, but she's the product of her choices in how she's responding to it. 
and to take that away from her to to reduce her to secretly a puppet of the lich king who doesn't know any better i i don't it doesn't feel really good narratively or for her as a character i if Sylvanas was doing this stuff for a reason that we didn't understand. I would accept that a lot more readily. I would still not like it because it would still be giving her an out. Like, you know, well, she had to do these things because old gods, whatever. I would still be annoyed. But the idea that she was actually secretly being controlled really doesn't work for me. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same camp. Like, it's one of those things. And I've said this before. I don't like the idea that she's being controlled and that her ideas aren't her own. I, I dig the idea of, you know, her actions are her own for good or for ill, you know, like you said, let her own them. But I also don't see that this would be something that Bolvar would do after putting the helm on either. Like, even if you, even if Nerzul is there and sort of corrupting and controlling the scenes, I would think that Bolvar has sort of like at least a little time before he completely succumbs, if at all. And let's not forget, like, Bolvar is like a huge, massive, you know, personality of will at this point when he puts on the helm. So I don't, I don't see what the motivation for Bolvar would be to say, no, nah, I don't want you dead yet. I want to raise you from the dead and you're going to go do my bidding versus, you know, it really, really was not fun when this whole plague thing happened. I'm just going to let you die because I don't want to deal with you anymore. That seems more like as far as that goes. And I, and the corruption, like even when we took up, like looking at Arthas and stuff like that corruption took time. It wasn't, quick it wasn't immediate it wasn't like arthas was immediately doing the bidding of the lich king influence immediately it was oh these are small moral quandaries that then lead up to bigger ones that lead up to bigger ones that lead up to bigger ones that slowly but surely corrupt 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 and then he becomes who he was not and even then he was never a puppet for nerzul exactly yeah and and when Nerzul tried to inflict control over him, he eventually like booted him put out, put him in the corner. We have a whole book about it. Yeah. We literally have a book yeah. about this. Yeah. So like, and, and like, and that's the part that gets me too. It's like it, it, even if Nerzul like learned how to subtly manipulate things in the time it took, which is entirely possible, uh, I still don't think that Bolvar's motivation, even at the behest of like this little tiny new voice saying, "Hey, you should raise her. She'd be really useful." I don't see that being a thing. Well, yeah, especially since he was literally just put the helmet on when it happened. Yeah, um, yeah so, like literally. Um, I have a question. Okay, so you very rightfully pointed out that Arthas was in Frostmourne because Frostmourne just kind of hoovered him as soon as he touched the blade, right? Nerzul apparently is, or at least some part of him, was also in Frostmourne as well because... You yeah, but that felt very during... much. Yeah, that felt it, very much like he was there of his own choice. Kind of like a lingering like, echo. Um, so... Is Nerzul kicking around in the hat? Or if Nerzul isn't kicking around in the hat, then who is in the hat? I feel like he might be in the hat because it certainly would make sense that he was he was basically visiting inside the sword to try and keep you from getting it. Um, that definitely seems like possible. You think he locked up the hat before he walked out for his little walkabout? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if he actually left it so much as he was kind of teleconferencing. I mean, this is. I'm the just. Weird I'm, thing. I'm like. I'm sorry. I just got stricken with like, who is living in the hat? That's probably one of the strangest questions to leave my mouth in the last my, month or so. My my thoughts are still that there's more to the helm of domination than we know. Yeah. But one thing I do want to point out too is that. Nerzul couldn't control Arthas. 
Arthas was a young yeah. hothead, strong-willed, mm-hmm. but a young hothead who didn't really have a lot of experience. Bolvar has had a lot of experience. Bolvar fought in the Third War. Bolvar then fought after it. Bolvar was Regent Lord of Stormwind for a while. Bolvar successfully helped fight off Anixia. Bolvar is not... He's not Bolvar significantly harder to control than Arthas. Stronger-willed, has been a paladin longer. You know, there's just so many different reasons why it doesn't work for me, the idea of, of you know, Bolvar being controlled or Sylvanas being controlled in that way. I think the the uh, Valkyr were serious in their offer to her. They might, whatever their, un, their ulterior motives are, I think they meant it. I think what they said to her was true as far as it went. Like they didn't say, you know, th- there's plenty more they could have been hiding that they didn't mention. But I think when they said, you know, we will sacrifice ourselves to get you out of here. They meant it. That was the, a deal has been struck. You don't in that kind of situation. The hey, deals don't here's, lie. Here's a here's a weird little thought I just had. Do you think that the Valkyr were so keen on getting away from the Lich King because they didn't want to be with the Lich King anymore or because the Lich King was no longer Arthas, it was Bolvar? I, ooh, that's a good one because that I is totally know, a possibility. Because we're talking about how, not, you know, Arthas is young. Arthas has like a different, doesn't have as much experience. And then you go down the litany of Bolvar's achievements and things. And when did the Valkyr decide they wanted to up and leave when the dude with all the experience showed up. So why? That makes sense. There certainly could be a lot of reasons. I mean, one thing comes to mind is that under Arthas, he gave them a lot of latitude. I mean, you see there's that, I can't remember the name of the guy, but there's that whole bit when you're doing the quests in Ice Rend, I mean, in Ice Crown, and you, you go to like a, there's a Vrykul who wants to be raised as like a, a you know powerful champion of Lich King, and he fails and gets turned into one of the horrible monstrosities. It's one of the Valkyr who tells him, "No, you failed. This is what you are now." The the Valkyr were wandering around doing the Lich King's will, pretty much without much supervision. I'm just wondering, like, ooh, you know what though? That's a want, really good point. Did they want to leave because the owner switched hands? Did they want to leave because they were tired of being bound to the Lich King? Did they leave because Bolvar wasn't the one who created them? Or did they leave because, for some reason that we don't know, they were afraid of sticking around? Well, I think I think Rossi is, is close on something here, because if you think about it, the difference between Bolvar and the difference between Arthas, it's not even just experience. Arthas was raised a royal, right? He was raised in a manner of delegation don't pay attention as much as like, you know, you're not in the minutia of things. You don't exact every detail. You don't need to know every detail. You sort of get a high level of everything. You tell people what you want and you trust that they're going to go do it because you're, you're king. Whereas Bolvar is a general. Bolvar is a high Lord. He he's, he's sitting there. He's used to dealing with the minutia. He's used to dealing with every bit of data. He's used to knowing what every piece of his army is doing. And yes, there is a certain level of delegation there, but now you're looking at somebody who's going to be micromanaging you, who's going to be you know, looking at everything you do, wanting to know your movements like he would his troops and generals. Uh, you're looking at somebody who's going to be keeping closer tabs on what you're doing, and like they're not going to have that lateral movement anymore. That's, that's actually a really good point. They don't have that freedom. And if you look at what they're doing with Sylvanas, even with the deal that they have in place with Sylvanas, for the most part, they go off and do their own things. 
Like there's plenty of quests. There's plenty of interactions that we have with them where Sylvanas is nowhere around and the Valkyrie are doing something. And yes, they're doing something at the behest of like Sylvanas in the greater scheme of things, but she's not keeping a hundred percent of tabs on them. Like you would expect somebody with that sort of like superior military mind is. And she's dealing with them very much like she does her Ranger generals give orders, let loose, let them do what they have to do. They'll come back and report. I trust them to do what they're going to do. It's com- it's a completely different mindset. That that could be a good reason. Also, there's one other thing to consider. We don't know if these Valkyr have any connection to Helia. I mean, Sylvanas found out about Helia after she made the deal with the Valkyr. How is it she knew Helia was there? None of us had even heard of Helia. It's not like there's tons of books talking about her. But Sylvanas, who doesn't have a ton of Rykul hanging around doing what she wants or anything, suddenly knows about Helia? And is able to make a deal with her, is able to make contact with her. Yeah, that would have, somebody would have had to have introduced her. And, well, hell yeah, had a chit chat with some creature in the Shadowlands, right? Yeah, and that that creature gave Odin the ability to see into the land of the dead, it allowed him to re to does to that person also have an open line of communication with Sylvanas, or for that matter, the Valkyr. The Valkyr mm-hmm. were created using that knowledge. And somehow the Lich King figured out how to do it. How did the Lich King figure out how to do it? We don't know. We, we know that Chronicle says that he used his power to do it, but we don't know how. We, did he, did he like, find ancient writings? Did he contact? Is the thing inside the helmet that allows it to work in the first place the entity from the Shadowlands that Odin talked to? I mean, that's my theory, but it's never been proven. Gosh, that would be a nice connection between everything that's going on right now in Battle for Azeroth <laughs> that, and the Lich King. That gem, Just saying. That gem in the middle of the Lich King's helm isn't actually a gem. It's really Odin's eye. It's an infinity stone. No, wait. What? Odin's yeah, eye, but, though. That's a good yeah. thought. Because I mean, if that, it, Where did that hat come from? Mm-hmm. I mean... Supposedly, it was created by, you know, Kil'jaeden, but Kil'jaeden didn't make it himself. Kil'jaeden he, ordered it to be made. Yeah, but who made it for him, and where did the pieces come from? What are the components, you know? Well, and I mean, it also stands to reason, too, that if, let's say, whatever whatever shadow creature needs to have, or would like to have more insight into what's going on there, you know, let a rumor of this powerful artifact that would allow you to channel all these shadow energies and make yourself a nice little champion sort of flood out to the corrupted titan oh here have here, have a piece of you know a watcher that i've already kind of done my stuff with enjoy oh and now i have you know eyesight into the land of the living because that's where it's physically manifested or some other stuff like that there, there there's a possibility it's an interesting thought i don't know there's a lot more there that we're missing still i think as far as the valkyr and how they relate to everything I feel yeah, like I do we don't that, know enough about the Valkyr. That's true, especially these Valkyr, because they're there's, not the same as Ayer's Valkyr. There's mm-hmm. like one or two pieces that we're missing, and as soon as those like clunk back into place, we're just going to sit there and go, oh, what the heck? Like, I, we, just that tiny bit of information that we're missing. Anyway, we should I, I can go... see some laughing faces after listening to this segment. I see you. I see you laughing at us. To newser, we know you're listening. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to the next email. It didn't have a name attached to it, and it was a very lengthy email. So I'm going to warn you in advance that I truncated this a lot to just keep it to like the actual 
crux of one thing rather than going off on a million tangents. Guys, we do appreciate your emails, but keep in mind that they do need to be read on the show. So if you make them too long, there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> anyway, uh, this email, again, it nameless person. They didn't leave a name, which I'm sorry about because this is actually pretty good. Uh, they said, hello, lore watchers. I have a gigantic tinfoil hat theory that could explain a lot of what's going on in Battle for Azeroth and why it's going to be so different from past Warcraft expansions. What if Azeroth, the most powerful titan, is the chosen one, Warcraft's Harry Potter, who will conquer the Void, so much so that the Void, which sees every possibility, has attacked Azeroth from every foreseeable angle. They sent Death Eaters, old gods, out to attack it, her directly, corrupted Sargeras to become a fallen titan, Azeroth's own brother, to turn against her. Sargeras turned creatures of the nether into his soldiers, and they just happened to bring their burning crusade to the Void's biggest threat. So, um, this is kind of an interesting theory, just because there was that one point where, um, was it Metzen? I think it was Metzen. It was either Metzen or it was Kosak at a BlizzCon, said that Azeroth was unique in the universe. Um, and there was something different about Azeroth. And of course, you know, this was prior to everybody, you know, us finding out, oh yeah, Azeroth is actually a Titan egg. Um, it might not have been prior to my tinfoil hat on that very subject, but it, it was still, it was prior to all of that. So we assumed when we heard that Azeroth was a Titan, that that was the big thing. That was the thing that made the world unique. But this person does have a good point that, Everything seems to be happening to Azeroth. So maybe there's something more to Azeroth than just, oh, you're a really powerful titan. Well, I mean, I think. Wasn't it stated many times that, like, that was the reason that the Void was interested in Azeroth is because Azeroth was the only one that could, that the most powerful one that would theoretically, you know, destroy the Void or whatever the case was? Like, I, I thought that was sort of spelled out at some point. I don't know Am if I it wrong? was completely spelled out like that, but they did state that, yeah, Azeroth was super powerful and more powerful than any Titan to come before her. Um, but that that's one of the things that Agrimar said directly to Sargeras before Sargeras snapped yeah. and, and struck him down. He was like, no, we, we've found this Titan that's going to be the most powerful one ever. It's going to be able to, like, you know, take the war to the void. We can win. You don't have to go around scorch earthing the universe like you've been doing. You're wrong, uh, which is like the worst possible thing you can say to an egomaniac. It turned out to not be the... My my problem with this theory is the idea that Sargeras at any point fell to the void or became mm-hmm. void corrupted. I don't think that's the case. I don't think he snapped and became a void servant. I think, if anything, um, Sargeras's behavior is all real easily understandable as massive egomania like he couldn't accept that he was wrong like he he believed the titans were wrong and would not deviate no matter how many times they were like no we can fix this it doesn't have to all be destroyed you're you know it's not as bad as you think it is because if he accepted their argument then he killed a planet for nothing and that's the it's you go right back to that first world he destroyed that was a huge act. He, no Titan had ever destroyed another Titan before. He killed a Titan soul. And once he did it, he had to decide, okay, was I right to do this? Yes. If any evidence that he wasn't right is rejected, you know, in a weird way, he's like the light and that he can only see one truth. 
He can only see one way this ends. He can't see any other possibilities. He won't accept them. Mm-hmm. Because if he has to accept them, then he has to. In a way, he reminds me of Arthas. Um, Arthas, when you when we went to Northrend. The, yeah, there's some similarities remember? between the two. Well, you guys remember when they first did the reveal trailer for Wrath of the Lich King before it actually came out? They had that, you know, young heroes. I was once like you. Narration. Yes. And all of it, every point of it is over and over again. You'll come to Northrend. You'll see. I'll show you how it is. And everything we did in Wrath of the Lich King over and over again is Arthas step by step leading us through the process he went through. I mean, it's... there are points in Dragon Blight where he, where we're literally led through his journey in Northrend. Yeah. And it's very much everything that he does leads us to the top of Ice Crown Citadel where he kills us because he's now he's going to raise us as his champions the way he was raised after he died as a champion. Like he died when he touched Frostmourne and then he became the Lich King's champion. That's what he's going to do to us. And then we're going to have seen that there was no other way. Like he's looked at the world, he's looked at the Legion, he's looked at, you know, the old gods, and he's decided the only way Azeroth can be protected, according to Chronicle anyway, is to raise everybody as the undead, make everybody scourge. If everybody's the scourge with one will, they can they can succeed. But it has to be him. You know, he's been right the whole time. And that's the same way Sargeras is. I'm right. I was right when I destroyed that world. You're forcing me to kill you, but I'll bring you back and you'll see that I was right. You know, he, he tortures the essences of the other Titans for like eons because he because he wants them to say that he was right. It, it's it's all down to that. He can't I don't, accept that he I was don't wrong. think that it's so much that that I think that this email phrased it poorly when they said that um that the void corrupted Sargeras because the void didn't corrupt Sargeras. There wasn't any corruption going on, but I wouldn't, I mean, what if you look at it from the stance of the void revealed itself to Arthas or not Arthas. (laughs) Now I'm getting the two confused Sargeras because when Sargeras came upon that world, remember there were the little dudes that were on it who were like sup yeah we're here we're just chilling we're gonna make this into like a void planet and then it's gonna be a void titan and it's gonna kill everything isn't that great and then he cleaves the planet in two um i'm paraphrasing here obviously but they i mean deliberately let him know they pulled they pulled that thing that happens in the villain's handbook where they say oh uh, and here's my grand game plan and you're never going to stop me ha 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 and then the hero turns around and stops them or whatever except in this case Sargeras just hacked the planet in half and it was enough to kind of drive him mad I mean the other thing to consider too is the the Nathrezim right like yeah. they were part of the brain they, legion they were the they ones were that were chilling on the on the planet was it Nathrezim that were chilling on the planet I can't remember they were agents of the void it was Nathrezim that he tortured to get them to explain to him what the Void was doing. They weren't the necessarily the ones that were working for the Void, but they liked the Void. They're like, this is so interesting. This is real cool. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily like they weren't going, this is our evil plan. They're going, oh, this is their evil plan. This is yeah. this is what's this is what's going on. This is what's up yeah. here. Let's let's just spell it all out for you. Isn't it neat? And... Yeah, I think he. I think he actually tortured the guy first, though. And I don't Did think he? he was just. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was torturing them. Okay. Uh, there's this whole thing where he. It's not so much Sargeras shows up and they're like, "Hey, here's our plan." It's more like grab talk. 
<laughs> oh, you don't want to talk? Here's pain. Would you it's, like to talk now? Here's more pain. It's just All one right, of I'll those talk. things where it's like, I could see their point if I looked at it from that angle where it's like, no, the Void didn't corrupt Sargeras, but the Void did choose to reveal itself to Sargeras through one method or another. And that was enough to push Sargeras into that loop of, yeah, sure, he's an egomaniac and he's incredibly narcissistic or what, what have you. But there's two ways that people go when they look at the Void. They either accept it and deal with it like we've seen with Alaria and we've seen with um the guy whose name I can't forget or can't remember the ethereal um Nexus something isn't it Nexus Walker Yes I believe that I think anyway um where they learn how to kind of navigate it just through all of these little endless possibilities and everything or you go just completely cuckoo for cocoa puffs and that's where most people go when they look at the void, they can't comprehend that vast tapestry of possibility and each possibility is true. Like it's too much for them to handle. So they kind of, they just go a little nuts when they're trying to comprehend the enormity of it all. And in Sargeras's case, he kind of locked down on that whole path of light, what have you. Like you said, that whole there is one truth there is one possibility and he locked down on it and honed himself into it so much that that's all he could ever see now did the void plan that did the void plan to give him a heads up and let him know what was going on was this all to eventually turn Sargeras on Azeroth maybe I don't know the thing with the void is the void sees every potential possibility and every potential future, right? So they would have seen these threads that led Sargeras to Azeroth, in theory. You see what I'm saying? That's no, why I'm like, you. I don't want to dismiss this out of hand. Now, is Azeroth Warcraft's Harry Potter, like, is it the Harry Potter to the void's Voldemort? I mean, Voidemort, whatever you want to call it. I don't know about that. But we have been told that the Titan is really powerful. The thing is, is like, despite the fact that the Titan is super powerful, the old gods already have a foothold in there to begin with. So how powerful is it, really? I don't know. That's that's where I run into the confusion, is just like, how powerful is this planet? Because this planet did get corrupted. The old gods are there. They can't be taken out. So realistically what kind of powerful juggernaut is it really? You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's a baby. Yeah. So maybe it's more of its destiny than anything else. It's going to be the most powerful ever. At the moment, it's just a kid. So, I Yeah, but then you go, oh, 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 destiny, and how how well did, you know, Illidan take to destiny? <laughs> the idea of destiny. <laughs> what if the planet pulls in Illidan and says, nope, sorry, I'm out of here. <laughs> I don't think we're ever going to see that happen. But still, it's I thought it was an interesting theory, you know, like it's an interesting idea that the void was working on this all along cuz yeah, Sargeras isn't directly working for the void. He's super opposed to the void. But then you look at Arthas and Arthas was super opposed to the scourge at the beginning, wasn't he? Yeah, but the difference is, is I think Sir Arthas was, you know, when his soul was ripped out, he was broken and you know, he was going down that dark road to begin with, though, wasn't he? Joe, do you have anything to add to all of this? Well, I mean, 
I mean, there there is something to be said that there could have been a long game being played here, which is sort of the 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 whole voids thing is sort of like these long games where everything could be subtle manipulations. Like, and I don't think corruption, I don't think ultimately isn't the right term. Like Rossi pointed out, like it's just Sargeras was very single minded, very single, single intent, very, he was very egotistical in the sense that he, he knew what was best. This is exactly what needed to happen. This is what was going to happen. This is what was going to fix everything. That said, if the void needed to manipulate him into a specific place, or to do a specific thing, that's something that they seem to be really good at. We've seen time and time again, there's, that, that is entirely a possibility. Maybe that, I don't think corruption. I just think, too, it's all, we have a danger of assuming that the Void is all competent and really good at manipulation, when half the time the Void is gibbering lunacy and shoots itself in its own foot. Like, well, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there, there's the, the the whole problem with the whole sees every possibility and can plans for every possibility is they often plan for completely variant possibilities and sometimes thus end up their own way. Sometimes it works some, great. Sometimes the void is Chogall's talking head that talks sense, and sometimes it's the other head that's like kill, kill, kill. The master wants murder. Yeah, and there's always also the possibility too, like, and and this is the thing I've always viewed the the void as sort of like sub factions that sort of fight among themselves. Like, look at look at the old gods in general, and you could say that maybe this is something that, uh, you know, is because they hit the material plane, but they didn't work together. In fact, they hate each other for the most part. They had territories and went to war with each other. They were fighting for supremacy. Yeah, so like, to the point where um, the the talking knife that dates shadow priests um, she actually she straight up slags the, all of the other yep. old gods. oh yeah every single one of them she talks trash about um and like you, you one of the things that's amazing is right now nizoth is the big trouble we're all worried about he's the guy we're constantly talking about and he was the least of them they all look down on him yep and yet he's still around because he was the least of them, because no one took him seriously, because the other old gods didn't bother to wage Just war against him. Biding as much. his time and waiting. Yeah. So there's, I think it's possible that one faction of the void may have, in fact, you know, it, if it could turn out that one faction had this plan, another faction had this plan, and thus things keep happening to Azeroth because it's underneath so many different plans. It's like, it's just bad luck for the planet that it's the big titan thing that's getting stepped on by all these different evil plans sometimes them sometimes they're also titans <laughs> sometimes those plans are also titans <laughs> well we're gonna go ahead and move on here um i'm gonna skip the next email because it's another super lengthy one and i'm gonna go down to one of the shorter ones at the bottom here uh this one is from underbash who says hey lore watch love the show i was wondering when cadgar left wanting nothing to do with the current faction conflict, he said he was going to go, quote-unquote, speak to Medivh. Is he speaking to Medivh's Echo or the actual former Guardian? Do we even know where Medivh is? And do you think we'll see him intervene at some point, either in the faction conflict or in helping out with Magni? Thanks, Underbash. Um, this is actually an excellent question, because Medivh is still around, technically speaking. If you played through Return to Karazhan, he was there at the end of it, Yeah. And I don't think that was an echo of Medivh. I think that was just Medivh. That's what made that so shocking. Correct me if I'm wrong. As far as I could tell, when we went through it, that's Medivh. Yeah. It, it didn't say... I mean, there is an echo of Medivh there as well. Um, you, it, It's actually a fight. But 
the the thing you speak to at the very end of the mm-hmm. dungeon, as far as I could tell, that's Medivh. And that's been something that's been on my mind since Warcraft 3. Like, Medivh's been around. He hasn't directly really intervened a lot, but he's been around. And he's he's done little things here and there. And I'm well. You I, can't say that he hasn't intervened because he was the one responsible for opening the dark portal, and then no, he was no, kind no, of no, responsible for stopping the third war. But yeah, it's it's never been a, a direct. Yeah, that, that I mean, like we haven't like fought alongside him, is what I mean. As no. we have with like with like Dadgar. Um, so that's it, interesting. We're kind of like because, chess pieces that he moves around, which makes sense for something of his incredible power, but. I mean, up until recently, his even his mother was around, right? Like she was, she was still oh, yeah. around in Theramore. Yeah, Adrian so, was with Jaina. So, like these are not like powerful beings from a bygone era. They're they're still around, but like he hasn't really manifested himself to the players in like a really meaningful way in a long, long time. And the Karazhan thing, yeah, that that was kind of cool and important. But like now, Kagar has Atiesh, right? Has Medivh's staff. Well, Kagar at the can... end of Return to Karazhan, Medivh basically told Kagar, hey, you're going to be the Guardian now. And Kagar says, said, oh, I don't want that kind of power. And Medivh's like, you already have it. I'm just giving mm-hmm. you the title. Which, and I'm going to go fly away to wherever. Wherever. See but ya. Then... And then peace is out. And we don't see him again. And that's what I've been worried, like wondering about is like, where has he been? What has he been doing? That's a like, really I don't know. good question because, like I said, I, you know, so much of his focus was on ending the Third War. And most of the reason that he was doing that, why he was trying to bring everybody together and foster peace and end the Third War, part of it was because, yes, the Burning Legion was terrible and it was presenting this threat that was going to devour the entire world. But part of it was also he was responsible for the orcs coming to Azeroth in the first place. He didn't want to be, but he was, because he was born with that essence of Sargeras inside of him that was essentially steering the ship from Mm -hmm. the moment he came out of that coma onward until he died. And I'm air quoting died because he did die. Aegwin just brought him back. His mom brought him back. Um, But after that success at the end of the Third War, it was like, cool i'm gonna go take my place amongst the legends of the past guys um yeah something just occurred to me sure where did where did cadgar find the book that happened to tell him that he could use the tear of a loon to waken up a naru he said it was in karazan which means that it was in the library that medivh built yeah well did medivh build the library or did the library build itself with the knowledge that medivh was going to be there one day yeah but i don't didn't either way he was there didn't agent read that didn't agent build that first wasn't it no no No. the karazhan and everything in it was came to to be after uh there was a giant explosion then the karazhan existed and then medivh found it and there's been an implication that the explosion was the destruction of karazhan but Karazhan was destroyed in the past and is moving forward into the future and someday it will be built in the future and then it won't exist anymore. Everything that about will... that tower is really wonky and weird, basically. Well, it's on a nexus of ley lines. What do you expect? Yeah. yeah but the point is, is that Karazhan is one of those places where like, the infinite dragonflight would lose their minds. Like, it, it is quite possible that Karazhan is existing backwards in time and will one day be destroyed and that's the day they build it. 
but Karen think Khan about just weird. But think about the idea here that it's very possible that Medivh knows everything the Void Gods are up to, or at least that they're up to something, because he's got that library that if the places exist backwards, then he in the future built it and left mm-hmm. it for himself in the past to find, if that makes sense. Like the, the entire place is backwards. If it's backwards, Medivh's last act may be his first act. He may have to build Karazhan so that it will then come into existence for him to use. And the destruction of it is that explosion that made it come into existence as far as we know. And someday he'll have to be there at that destruction, which is its creation. It's from and how does this tie into the tier of a loon? Go back to that. I just saying that's, you know, it's very possible that he stocked that place with all the clues and information we need. It's, it's to totally do. back to the future too. It, yeah, it's the it's, almanac. It's the almanac. It's literally he's fr- in the future, leaving these things to travel back in time for the appropriate people to find and give them the hits and clues. What I was going to say, either Back to the Future Two or a really weird episode of Doctor Who, or T. H. White. I mean, it's it's yep. the Once a Future King. It's Merlin. It's the backwards living, which is wizard. what he's based on anyway. So it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So few, you know, the the medieval we saw at Carazon, the medieval we saw in the Third War. The whole reason that Aegwin that may have been able to bring him back was that she actually basically set him on his path that he's now living backwards. And thus, someday, he'll have to go die when Karazhan explodes. And from our perspective, that's when we first get Karazhan. And then someday, he'll have to build it in the future to us. But to him, that's the past. He's already done it. Let's, yeah, let's go back to the question at hand here, though. The question is... Do, you, do we think he's going to come back and help out with this Azeroth stuff or with Magni or with anything? Or have we seen the last of Medivh for a while? I don't know if we've seen the last of him, but I don't know that he's going to do anything like just show up because he may be on that time track I'm talking about. He can't just show up and help us because to him, he's already dead. Like this is all like his entire life is set along a track to do that to us would seem ridiculous because he's living it in the opposite direction now. Like he, he has to get to the end point, which to us is the beginning. So I don't know. It's the weird thing with Karazhan is if you take Karazhan for granted, then everything I just said has to happen. Like someday that place has got to exist. Like from our perspective, it just came into existence one day. Someone has to make it exist. Someone has to build it at some point in the future. And then send it on its path to being destroyed. Imagine if we actually have to be at the destruction of Karazhan, which means we have to go back in time to when Deadwind Pass was made. Mm-hmm. Remember the Deadwind Pass was made after someone took, you know, someone used Ulithesh to to kill all the souls of all the people in Deadwind Pass. And that was before Karazhan came into existence. So that there's like a lot of secrets to that artifact and to stuff that was going on in the world that we don't know yet. And Medivh is tied up in them. So I think we'll see him again. I just don't think we understand yet what he's going to do when we do. Do you think, given all that we know about Medivh and Karazhan and the crazy timelines and all this other stuff, do you think Medivh had anything to do with the initial introduction of the infinite dragonflight? It would make sense. I'm actually wondering if Karazhan is another manifestation of the Void. Remember the Void sees all possibilities? Karazhan kind of is all possibilities. Yeah, Karazhan when is... When you go walking moving... through it, what do you see? What did Khadgar see? He saw visions of this, that, the other, things that hadn't happened yet. It was all temporal, though. It wasn't really... But then again, isn't temporal timelines and that kind of thing, aren't those just possibilities waiting to happen? 
And that's what the infinite are all about. The infinite dragonfly is all about, you know, it, they, they're obviously void influenced and they're constantly, and we know that the, the avoid can affect time because Norse Dormu got trapped. And that's how we ended up with the war of the ancients. Having they time were there the at the black morass. They were there at the black morass and they were trying to stop Medivh from opening the dark portal. Mm hmm. Were they doing that because they didn't want the orcs to come to Azeroth, which theoretically would be a good thing, you would think, from a historical standpoint? Because then it wouldn't have kicked off the whole Alliance Horde thing and all that other stuff. But at the same time, it also means that Medivh wouldn't have gotten away with the thing that made him what he was and what he is. And he would still be under Sargeras's control. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't have been set on a course to potentially create the infinite dragonfly. I don't know. Now there's all kinds of weird stuff in my head. Because the thing is, is like what the infinite was doing, what the infinite was doing in the caverns of time, we had to kind of go back and look at it here, right? They were trying to stop Medivh from opening the dark portal and unleashing the orcs on Azeroth, which is weird when you think about it, that we had to stop that from, like we had to, we had to make sure that the dark portal opened, even though it seemed like the infinite were trying to do a good thing in theory, and then you go to the whole the, the the purge thing that was going on with with Arthas. We had to make sure that that happened, even though there was weird stuff going on there with the infinite, and they had their fingers and everything, and they were actually creating infinite dragons out of bronze drakes at like the end of the instance. If you if you go there quickly enough, then you know you get a bronze drake, and that's because you stopped it from becoming an infinite dragon, which was kind of cool. But then you also look at. Um, Oh, Old Hillsbrad. Old Hillsbrad. They were trying to stop Thrall from doing his whole destiny thing where he breaks free from, you know, and starts the new horde and all of that. Like, the things that they were doing, the things that the Infinite were doing, it you know, was like they were trying to do the right thing by meddling with the timelines. And that was the part that the Bronze Dragons didn't like, was that they were trying to change history. Um, well... You're, you're in, and an interesting thing here, so they look like, to, to go back to that, like, looking at the models for the Infinite Dragonflight, what did they look like? Well, they're those, they, like, speckled, black and white looking, kind of inverted. They look like an inverse version of a dragon, that, that look. What other creatures have we seen that have that, that sort of motif the in Shah. the last few expansions? Yeah. And what were the Shah? Mm, that's they an were interesting born. thought. They were born from the bodies of an old god that was destroyed in what is an old god, but a manifestation of the void. And the infinite dragonflight was trying to bring around the hour of twilight, which was at the behest of what? The old gods, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, if we're, we're talking about it, like we were talking about before what the infinite flight dragonflight was doing, but when you were trying to prevent Deathwing from destroying the world, as Joe just pointed out, the whole hour of twilight, the infinites were the ones blocking you from getting back to getting the dragon mm -hmm. soul. And you have to actually fight Murazond and close the loop of his timeline. Now, think of it that way. What if Karazhan and Medivh are an alternate loop, not the loop the Infinite are, and thus not the loop they want? They, they were a loop. Murazond was the loop. They don't want some competing loop to be turn this thing into a Mobius strip where you can't get on or off of it along the, the path they want. So maybe everything they were doing was attempting to prevent Medivh from becoming that. Because if he doesn't open the dark portal successfully, he's not killed, he isn't then raised, and he isn't set along his path. 
Right? Yeah. He's not freed. He's not freed. Yeah. yeah. He's not he's not a free agent anymore. And he isn't along his strange path that oh, his wait, wait, what did he say when he's in Karazhan? The the, well, the, the, the circle? Yeah. That's how the many thing. times has the circle been brought up? Yeah. The circle well, must be completed, wasn't that what it's it was? It's nearing like? completion or something yeah. like that, yeah. If, what, the, what, if the infinite's trying to stop that, I'm sorry, Joe. I'm going to let you talk now because no, I'm no, no. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, but would Argus have even happened if Medivh still had the soul of Sargeras trapped within him? Oh God. Would anything in Legion have happened if that if that occurred? Because think about it. Like what what just got removed from the playing table of the universe right now? The Titans are are off the table, not just because they're destroyed. Because we know now that like. Sargeras like destroying them wasn't really a death sentence. They were still going to be reforming. They were still, you know, recovering after all these years. But now they're trapped. They're locked away in their little seat in the Pantheon as eternal jailers to Sargeras. All of the Titans have been removed from the board. What does that serve? Who does that serve? The Void would be real happy about that. Yeah. Because who's the only thing that's killed the old gods for sure? Titans. Who's the only one that really knows about the Void and what the Void is doing that we know of? The Titans. And now we don't have access to them. We They're cut off from all of their, you know, quote-unquote children. Except like, for one. Except for one. The one that has a sword sticking into it. Who's currently fighting off her own nightmares. Who's bleeding out. Who is in the, the, the sort of existential crisis, if planets can have existential. But it, it, it wow, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. To me, that makes sense because they've this whole thing led to removing Titans from the board. Well, and that kind of also leads into my other question, which is why did we get Return to Karazhan at the point that we got Return to Karazhan? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. why would they bring Medivh in at the end like that? Like, there's a hook there, or there should be a hook there. And it takes me to the other time nonsense that we got in that expansion and that would be the deaths of Chromie Mm -hmm. which we still haven't gotten an explanation for there's something going on there but we didn't get an explanation for it and once we solved the issue Chromie didn't seem to even want to look at it anymore like she wasn't interested in it beyond okay it's fixed now I'm alive let's move on you would think that she would be kind of interested in investigating something that was like her premeditated murder by a bunch of different factions for some reason. Like, what was that reason? She doesn't care. She doesn't want to know. Why doesn't she want to know? Like, why was that never delved into? Yeah. And she doesn't want us to find out. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, since she is what she is, it's quite possible that in fact, haven't we been told that pretty much all of the bronze dragon flight, including Nosdormu was given a vision of their own deaths. Yep. Yeah. So she would know. She knew that wasn't her death because she knows when she's going to die. So that's why she had a problem with it in the first place. That's why she was so clear on this has to be stopped because it's not when she dies. If she knows when she's going to die, then she knows who how it's going to happen. So it's quite possible she doesn't want to look into it any further because she doesn't want us to look into it any further and possibly upset the apple cart. Like maybe we'll accidentally prevent her death and now, oh God, now what? I didn't die when I was supposed to. Oops. <laughs> In conclusion, time travel is weird. Anyway, um, let's move on to one more email here. This one actually has a couple of different questions at, in it, and I don't know if we're going to get to both of them, but we'll go ahead and address the first one anyway. Um, this email is from a name that I hope I can pronounce. 
<laughs> says, howdy, Gruenstaller the Insane from Frostmourne here, a demon hunter. Um, I hope I got your name right. Firstly, I'm a long-time listener and love the tangents. I had some thoughts, questions while listening to Lore Watch episode 91. First, and I'm just going to go through these individually, so we're just going to look at the first question here. What happened to the spirit of the world soul that Sargeras killed? What happened to the spirit of Argus after heroes killed it? Other titans survived the deaths of their bodies. And we were just talking about this. The Pantheon, we thought that the Pantheon was dead, and no, their spirits went wherever. Now, I know that in Chronicle, it said that Norganon, like managed to do that it was some sort of magical wibbly wobbly timey wimey thing that he did that sent their spirits off in different directions inhabiting various aspects on azeroth but as we pointed out last week maybe chronicle isn't exactly the most accurate maybe because we don't know who wrote it you know what i mean it's like when we were talking about the cosmology chart and we were like well the cosmology chart is kind of that's what the cosmos looked like after the titans meddled with it what did it look like before you know what i mean so I, I, this i have an answer to this but it's a huge digression so go uh, for it you got okay what happens to demon souls when they die they go back to the twisting nether and then what then uh, they, they eventually back. reform yeah but we were repeatedly told during you know legion that they needed you know antorus for something like this is going to stop like the, the army. It was like the soul engine thing, yeah. yeah. This is going to stop the army entirely. Oh, except that doesn't make sense with the lore established in Legion that Sargeras built a prison planet because he couldn't stop demons from coming back. He made Mardoon and trapped demons on it because if he did There was that whole weirdo paradox thing, yeah. yeah. And they've never explained that. Like he, he's, It's been said in Chronicle that he eventually figured out how to kill them for good. But at the time, he didn't know how, so he built Mardoom, and then later on, of course, he shattered Mardoom to free them. But you only need Mardoom if demons can re can re return from death without the need of Antorus. If they need Antorus, well, they don't have Antorus. So how are they so, doing the thing? Yeah. Now, connect that for a moment to the Titans. How We don't really know how the Titans came back. We know that in Chronicle, their spirits are sent to Azeroth, right? They're yeah. specifically sent to the, the various uh, Titan Keepers that they empowered. Yeah. So a, That's a why Radan of... went a little cuckoo, because he realized yeah. what happened. I've got some of Amonthul in me. And later, he took that Amonthul essence out of himself, and that's what empowered the, uh, the oh, bloody heck, uh, Veil of Eternal Blossoms. Yeah. But we just met Amonthul. <laughs> We just talked to him. I personally helped that guy create that prison Joe was just talking about. So how did that happen with Rodin? What did Rodin take out of himself? Was, was it, it a just chunk? like a piece? Was it like yeah. an awareness or something? Is that why it's... T in... Now, now I... here's more digression, but I swear to God I'm going somewhere with this. When did we meet the Avatar of Sargeras the first time? Not us, but when was it met the first time by anybody on Azeroth? When, where, where did she meet it? In Northrend. Where are the Titan Keepers? <laughs> <In> Northrend. <laughs> was was he there collecting their their essences? Mm. If he was, why didn't the keepers seem to know he did it? 
Like, did he have to go, like, up to Ulduar and grab the essences out of them? Yeah, because uh, they were in the Dragon Blight, I think. Yeah. One assumes that they would notice that if the big Avatar Sargeras showed up, they they would recognize that's not good. If nothing else, that the fell energy. Well, the Burning Legion was fighting the Blue Dragon Flight for some reason up there, yes, and the that's Blue what draw. That's what drew her what? attention up there to begin with. And when she came up there, she very easily dealt with the demonic armies. And then the Avatar showed up and said, "Oh, hi, nice to meet you." But- the Dragonflight controls the Nexus, which is one of several um, Titan things up in Northrend, right? Yeah, yeah. The Nexus is where all the, the ley lines and so forth, they don't naturally converge there, but they can be controlled well, from there. Well, and also, at that point in time, we were also running with the theory that the Titans had put pieces of themselves in the aspects. Yeah, so we assume that that's the case. It, it's possible they were trying to get them out of them, too, but... At any rate, we know that they collected enough of the essences of the various titans. The only one of them that escaped them was Eonar. So yeah. and to the point where Agrimar actually got converted. Like he converted Agrimar. He got he got Agrimar to work for him. Now, the others were still being tortured. That's there's a whole encounter in Antorus about this. What if that's what Antorus does and it's not the only place that does it? What do you mean? What if Think about Antorus. We know there's an Aldorus somewhere on Azeroth. Yeah. We don't know where Aldorus is. We know that the Nexus over in Kaldara. Are is you a talking Titan about it system. being like a soul engine, not for what not if... for demon souls, but for Titan souls? Yes. Uh-huh. What if that? Think about this. The dragon. The the dragon. Um. Oh, bloody heck! What is it called in the Dragonblade one? The Wormrest. The Wormrest Temple. Wormrest Temple. What yeah. is Wormrest Temple actually made to do? Because it was made before the Dragon Flights. It was made before the Dragon Aspects. It's a Titan facility. It's on the exact same road that we see going south. We the see that the exact, Titans. Yeah. yeah. We see that road going the old, to and the old gods Uldir. definitely wanted to sail it for a reason. We see that road going to Uldir. Now, think about this. Old, you know, think about this this for a second. Argus was being controlled on by by Antorus. Argus was a world soul that wasn't born yet. Just like Azeroth is a world soul that isn't born yet. And Azeroth has facilities built around it to nurture and protect the world soul from the, the old god thing that was happening to it. What if that's what they do on every planet? They build facilities to shape and direct the growth Did so it, they're sure... Wait, hold up! Okay. Did... Did Sargeras build Antorus, or was Antorus there already, and he just happened upon it and used well, it for his own purposes? I don't think purposes. he happened upon it. I think he helped he build knew, it he, he alongside the rest of the Titans. Guys, yeah. what if what if what if these facilities are just harnessing a natural occurrence that happens on a Titan planet? Because think about it, right? And this is something that I've I've been can I finish my thought since... real quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That facility, Antorus, and the one that is on Azeroth, Oldorus, is that what it's called? Yeah, Oldorus, yes. Oldorus. Those aren't there. They're they're basically there as like a catch-all failsafe. If something happens to the planet, the essence goes in that thing, and it starts over again. I want to hear what Joe's going to say, but then I have a point. So okay, Joe. all right. I was going to say, but what what if what if these places are Titan? facilities built on top of naturally occurring things that happen on titan planets or or the shells of titan 
right? Because I'm, I've always been curious about this since since Vanilla WoW, and I, I I think we've I don't know I don't remember if we've gotten a real explanation for it of why player characters don't die. But what if that's why we can't die? What if that's why we're you know we're born of Azeroth, our souls go through the churner or whatever, and then are brought back? And yes, we're shepherded back to the land of the living by by Valkyr or you know by finding our bodies or whatever. But what if that's the reason that we can't just move on to another plane of existence? Is because Azeroth is keeping us from doing so because that's a naturally event. Let me put it this way: this is what I think is going on. We have Antorus on on Argus. And A-N-T seems to be the Argus prefix, just like Old seems to be the the Azeroth one. Um, so we have Aldoris, Oldir, various facilities on Azeroth. What What is reorigination? When they reoriginate the planet, they scorch it of life. They even scorch the topsoil. It dies all the way down. But it doesn't kill the world's soul. Because the world's soul is hoovered into that soul engine. And mm-hmm. then put back and then plunked back in so that's what antorus is supposed to do and sargeras saw that technology on antorus and modified it so that instead of dealing with titan souls it was dealing with demon souls and churning them back out at an alarmingly fast rate yeah because he knew that they'd come back but he knew also that he could still kill them and they'd come back in a few thousand years. Which it would take time to yeah. to come yeah. back together if you're just floating in the twisting nether. If you have some place that is designed to stick you back together again. But here's the other thing. We know that Sargeras was part of the Pantheon for eons and eons and eons. He didn't just leave like when they first got started. He was there. He was their champion. He was their, their frontline fighter. If they came to a world that needed pacifying, he would be the guy doing it. We, we're acting like he found Antorus. He built Antorus because he was one of the Pantheon. They built it together. Well, I don't know if he built it because he was a champion. He wasn't yeah, a construction but, but dude. He but he was existence. definitely there during the whole process and understood yeah. what was going on. And that implies something about Argus and Azeroth. Argus was found when Sargeras was a member. Mm-hmm. Before Azeroth they had discovered the Void thing and the Old Gods thing and the everything yeah. else. Yeah, and Azeroth was after yeah azeroth's old azeroth's Aurus facility is more advanced because that's why he that he didn't shoot the their essences at azeroth because oh well we have some titan keepers there because we saw on antorus they had keepers there and that implies there's keepers any place that they decided to to interact with any place they decided to shape they're going to have keepers because it's just easier. They don't have to risk getting involved in the planet themselves and possibly killing it. But so they the went question to Azeroth. is, where is Eldorus? I think it's Northrend. I think you it think? is. I think it's the Nexus and the Wormrest Temple. Because look at Wormrest Temple. Well, there's also a bunch of machinery up there that's no longer functional, too. Yeah, like the fort. There's a this. There is an actual world engine up there. That mm-hmm. you just go in and you have there's, no idea yeah, what it does. Yeah, there's stuff up in the storm peaks where it's like you can just walk in the side of a mountain and it's, oh, Titan facility stuff. And, and remember, too, when, when we read about what they did when they built the various network of stuff, it's all one thing. All those facilities are built to do one thing. It's a network. They went, they, they sent Rod in south to build stuff down there. That's where the stuff in um, Oldham comes from. That's where all the stuff in, in Pandaria comes from. 
they they were building this thing worldwide they were they were and that says to me if there are other land masses on azeroth they'll have titan facilities on them but i think i think it, that the whatever it is if it's because i think that's why the avatar of sargeras went to northrend he went to the place where he knew their souls would be collecting and he found blue dragons there so he started killing them because they were in the way and then when when Aegwin showed up and fought him and he saw how powerful she was okay plan b you know i got what i wanted i got what i came here for and now i'll i'll throw in my failsafe plan you know we, we we know we can't just take over this planet we tried once so plan b i'm not there's stuff here that's not quite right i know this as i'm saying it but i really do think that there's something to this and i think that's why argus didn't come back yeah cuz there's <laughs> there's stuff going on here argus would have had a, there's and Argus, the planet, is so messed up, and Antorus is so far off of its original purpose that it's not going to collect him. Yeah, it's not there anymore. Um, that world soul that Sargeras killed, the the planet that he cleaved, that was the other one that um, Gruenstaller was asking about. That one was, Sargeras was looking for other world souls, ones that the Titans hadn't touched already, and that was one of the ones that they hadn't encountered yet. And so when there's no facility. Happened, there's no facility there. So that would explain why there's no spirit, because there was nothing there. There was nothing put in place to collect it. I'm also curious about the whole Antorus thing, if part of that was because the soul was pushed before it was, you know, mature. As Possibly. Well. Plus, because... keep in mind, where does Argus manifest when you fight him? The seat. The seat is nowhere near Argus. Uh-huh. So he gets pulled out of his own planet, taken someplace very far away that we know is a good prison for Titan essences. Mm-hmm. And then he's killed there. So he can't come back because he, you know, the distances are too great. He can't get back to Antorus, and Antorus isn't even configured right if he gets there. Or he's just Which... straight up trapped. Yeah, or for that matter, yeah, it's very possible he's stuck there. Maybe he is the he is the cage in which Sargeras is being trapped. They're using Argus to hold him. I don't know. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why Norganon chose to send everybody to Azeroth. He chose to send everybody there because he knew that there was a fully functional Uldorus. There was a there was still a fully there. fully functional facility still there because they had just gotten done putting it in place. Yeah, and it's much more advanced. It's for the most. It's for the most powerful Titan soul they've ever seen. So it's got the best bet of recollecting them. And this only one question left on all this: How come Eonar got away? And how come she got away to a world called Elunaria? How did she get a preemptive heads up on the whole situation? Yeah, and does it have something to do with the Emerald Dream? Because she was tied to that. Yeah, helped. It, she's the reason it was created. So. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Mm. That that leads back to the whole Elune thing again, and we don't know any more than we did last time, but it does, if you think about it, that's there's something going on involving this, and we know more about the Titan facilities now because of this expansion. Okay. Well, there's a second question here, but I'm not going to go with that one because we're actually, um, I think we're kind of running into the end of our time period anyway here, so we should probably start to wrap things up. Um, I'm going to go ahead and save the other half of this though, Gruenstaller, and maybe we'll go ahead and address it on our next show. Um, just because it's, it's a good kind of continuation of 
what's going on there. It's just, if we, if we start talking about this again, we're going to be here for like another half hour and I don't have another half hour. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> bathroom guys. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, again, if you guys have an email for the show, you can send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Put lore watch in the subject line um, just so that we know that it's for this show. And we do try and answer them fairly regularly as long as we don't have any big lore dumps in game or in any of the games to talk about. Um, for you guys, the listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have a lot of Blizzard titles available. There are a lot of Blizzard titles that are about to come out and be re-released in audiobook format. I believe that, if I remember correctly, Arthas is about to hit as an audiobook again. It was just re-released as part of Blizzard's Legends, Legends line, I think. I seem to remember seeing Christy Golden tweet stuff about this, and I also seem to remember Christy saying that she had actually recorded an audiobook, and I'm not sure if she recorded Arthas or not, but regardless, there's a ton of Blizzard titles that are out there available on Audible, and there's apt to be more as time goes on here, because these new books, they are releasing more of them out on audiobook format when they weren't initially or you know doing a re-release of them that kind of thing you can check out those blizzard titles or you can check out the thousands of other books that they have available over there by signing up at blizzardwatch.com audible and every sign up helps support the show and everything that we do speaking of which blizzard watch it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow blizzard watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience um final thoughts you guys i'm just gonna float this out there because we were talking about it for a little while and now it's kind of stuck in my head and it's going to be stuck in my head for a while because he's one of my favorite characters do you guys think that we should see medivh come back at some point like would you like to see him again at some point in some aspect or another rossi uh if you'd asked me five years ago i'd have said no but at this point the stakes have gotten high enough that i feel like medivh is now a viable character to use Previously, I would have been I mean, like, nah, kinda... nah, he's earned his rest. But now that yeah. the fate of the entire cosmos is at stake, I think he should get off his butt and do some things. <laughs> Joe, what do you think? Should Medivh make a reappearance? Honestly, yeah, I think he should. And and not because of any other reason beyond I think it's overdue in a meaningful capacity. Like, even if it's just to fully pass the torch on to, to Cadgar, that's fine. But I think there should be something sort of mainline because while the stuff in Karazhan was was definitely cool, I don't know. There hasn't not enough. I don't know. I, I would like to see him one last time. Here's my thing: Medivh was a really cool character in Warcraft Three, and we had a lot of really cool characters that got their introduction in Warcraft Three, and they've all been getting their various story storylines and accolades and everything else. We've had Cadgar be a major player, even though he wasn't in Warcraft 3 so much, but he was in the novel, right? We've had Jaina, we've had Tyrande, Malfurion, all of the Night Elves. We've had Vol'jin, we've had Thrall, we've had, like, all of these major players in World of Warcraft canon have originally had their kind of impetus, like, back in the original RTS games. Medivh is the only one 
that hasn't really gotten a fair shake yet, I would say outside of Malfurion, because I don't think that Malfurion has gotten enough of anything to show us who he really is beyond what we saw in Valshara, and I don't think that that was enough of Malfurion to really count for anything. He was more like an accessory out there than anything. That's what it felt like to me. So I do want to see, like, more going on with Malfurion and see what's going on in his head. But I also think that Medivh deserves that fair shake. They brought back Illidan Stormrage in Burning Crusade, and he didn't really get the fairest of treatments. And they brought him back again in Legion, and they gave him a storyline and an ending that felt like an appropriate piece of closure. I don't think we've ever gotten that with Medivh. I don't think we have. And after that mysterious bit at the end of Warcraft 3 where he said he was going to take his place among the legends of the past, and then it turns out that that meant he was still out there chilling places just to pop in and say hi every now and again. No, I think I think we need more from him. He was too important of a character not to have that happen. And maybe that's just me because I really like the character. But hey, Blizzard, if you're listening, more medieval Closure. <laughs> Closure is good. <laughs> just give us, you know, some kind of like little bow wrap up on that. So I, I, I do. I, I just, I want to see more from him, particularly after the conversation we just had. There's more there. Anyway, that wraps us up. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. And we will see you again in two weeks. <laughs>